Welcome to the Blueprint Movement Podcast with your host, Victoria Lanier. In my podcast, I highlight people making moves in their community. On our last day of 12 days of podcasting, we have Curtis Shannon Jr. He is from Lima, Ohio, a first-generation honors liberal studies student with a concentration in pre-law and a minor in philosophy. He currently serves as the social action chair of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated Ada Chapter, the vice president of Phi Alpha Delta Law Fraternity International, North Carolina A&T Chapter, and SGA Mr. Junior for the 2021-2022 academic school year. He is also a community organizer, activist, mentor, and founder and CEO of two community youth organizations. Please give a warm welcome for Curtis Shannon Jr. You own a nonprofit for youth community leaders. You do so much in the community. Can you tell us what got you into doing community service? Yes. So just being a child in a community where there wasn't a lot of resources for me and seeing the way that I was treated as a black male um, really made me find love within myself and people that look like me and to start making sure that if I was going to the well, if I wanted to change my current situation, I had to help people that look like me and that is around me. And so with that, I consistently started finding uh, small things to do in the community. Um, at first, I was cutting grass. I was cutting my neighbor's grass um, for free and shoveling their snow when it was snow outside for free, just out the kindness of my heart. And then it just prolonged and my my future career. And so I say that as in things that I find myself doing, it's always something serviceable. And so just being a child uh, from a town where it wasn't a lot um, of, uh, a lot of th- uh, resources for people of color, it has really helped me to um, realize that there needs to be something for the people of color to get resourced. And so that was my whole thing of being a community service um, advocate. And so that's that's pretty much what got me. All right. So can you tell us a little bit more about your community service projects that you're doing within the community? So currently here in Greensboro, I have a food pantry. Well, I have a youth organization that is called the Greensboro Youth Community Leaders. Um, LLC, and we are a for-profit organization here in Greensboro that focuses on advocacy of human and civil rights and eliminating food deserts and combating food insecurity. And here in the Greensboro community to combat food insecurity and eliminate food deserts, we started, uh, we partnered with Habitat for Humanity Greensboro, the uh, Greensboro Pub- Public Library, and now the WD um, Islamic Center uh, off of Bessemer Avenue and off of Phillips Avenue. And with that, we have our pantry boxes that are placed out there that contain non-perishable food items. And these items are free to take by any members of the community. And now they have a form that they can request specific items for them to be able to come and grab or have us drop off for them to be able to um, access because, and what a food desert is, it's pretty much um, a mile or more for somebody to have access to um, fresh food items or healthy food items in a sense. And so we we help limit that gap. And then combating food insecurity is also placing um, food pantry boxes and food resources closer to people's homes so they have more access to things that they would have to travel miles for. And so we right. make sure that 
they can have these options rather than uh, spending their money on something else. Right. Most definitely. And that helps so many families, so many students, because not everybody can afford food. Not everybody has the resources and you you can be working and not be able to put food on the table for families, like for your family and just giving people the options for food and now having the option that they're able to choose the food that they want. Yeah, most definitely. You're Mr. Junior for A&T. Now, why did you want to become Mr. Junior? I chose to run for the Mr. Junior position seeing that the position was an actual uh, position of community service for my entire class. And right. me being the community service advocate that I am, I want to make sure that I can expound on as much resources and networking I can within the community service aspect. And by acquiring the Mr. Junior position, it has done uh, nothing more than uh, short of what I believed it would do. And what that is, is just um, encouraging the class to get out and get active and actually uh, treat community service as something habitual and not something that you just do once in a blue moon. Um, right. Just make sure that we're just keeping that vibe on campus alive because some people get tired of the same old um, things, even if it's community service in a sense. And so my whole thing was to make sure that people, we had inclusive, hybrid, um, and not the same community service initiatives and something that we're, we were actually getting giving back to the community where we reside in, which is East Greensboro. And I just felt like being in this position, that was something that I can do. Right. Do you like, since you're doing a lot of things for the community and you're in so many different organizations, how do you combat mental health issues that okay. may arise? So yes, um, combat and mental health issues with me, looks like um, I realize that I do get caught up in a lot of things, not only in the community, but my personal life. And sometimes forgetting that, take a step back and, and remind myself like, hey, you have to take care of yourself before you can go out and help other people. And so why I'm, while I'm, I'm in the sense of getting involved in all of this stuff, I shave my head when I start to forget that uh, my mental health should be first and is, is the most important thing in my life. And that I should I should take a step back from some things and start uh, implementing <laughs> implementing certain aspects of my life that I should focus on while not getting uh, caught up and not forgetting my mental health. So I shave my head and um, I go to the gym and make sure that that helps me cope. Yeah, I see that. I'd say like how I like combat my mental wellness, mental health. I usually read a book. I read. That usually helps. Okay. Now with the food pantries, what made you want to combat food insecurity in Greensboro? Great question. So um, in the Greensboro community, uh, me being a community service advocate uh, back home and hearing Greensboro, uh, finding things that were that was a problem not re, not currently, but that is that is a problem that's been from the past that we're still dealing with. And I want to make sure that we get rid of the old problems that we're dealing with, so that when we do focus on these new problems in the community, that's all where we're focusing on, and that we can just move forward from what we're focusing on 
in the present. And so when when I feel like we get so caught up on, oh, we got to catch the next thing that people need help on, we we forget to do what people really need. And we get so caught up on, oh, they need this, they need this, they need this. But when they really wanted this base thing and everybody and everything else just starts to kind of get in the way or they forget about what they were really doing originally, that's that's what got me to do the food pantry boxes. I'm, I'm going around Greensboro seeing that I keep hearing the word food desert, food insecurity, but I'm seeing pantry boxes of books. I'm seeing uh, homeless people hanging outside of food stores and all they're asking for is food items. And you're you're not going to turn it down because it's like they could ask for money or they could ask for anything else, but they they want a sandwich outside the store. They want something to drink. Uh, they right. want They want basic necessities. And so just ways to make sure that people actually have this and to combat that insecurity in their life. I made sure that I can implement a way to make sure that they were going to be okay. Right. Now with the food pantries, what's the next step? What's like, what are your goals for this upcoming year? So currently my goals for this upcoming year is to continue to expand my organization, not only in Greensboro, but Guilford County, and hopefully uh, statewide, I have been making sure that we not only can define, be the mutual aid for minorities here in our community, but to make sure that after we after we fix what needs, needs to be done here in the Greensboro community, and then in the Guilford County area, then, then we can start to branch out into these uh, subdivision areas and make sure that these community, that the community surrounding us isn't going to later weaken the inner community because some people forget things in a, in a sense where we're so focused on one part of the community when you can't folk when you live in an entire nation like you can't focus on one aspect of the community and then expect everything else to just fall in line it's like you have to you have to help the source and help the help the outside factors because if all the outside factors support is going to end up affecting that the 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 only strong source and so if you make sure the strong source is okay and then go out into these subdivisions and make sure that these sources okay, they're not directly taking from the main source. And so it's just, it's creating, it's liberating people. It's creating, um, it's just creating the opportunity for them to be able to have um, an affluential life and not only just money, but in food and anything that they find themselves doing. All right. Most definitely. Now, I do have someone that, uh, have you heard of a simple gesture? I have not. That I, her name is Laura and she's the organizer of it. And basically what she does is she, for like, say if a grocery store doesn't have enough room or like they overbought some items, she gets those items and she gives it to like different organizations. So I can definitely connect you with her. Yes, I would love to. I look, you're talking to me right now, and I then searched up her Instagram, uh, a simple gesture GSO. <laughs> yeah, I have her email. I would I would love for you to uh send me that, please. I definitely will. Now, in your in your life, what would you say? was your biggest failure and from that what did you learn from it 
my biggest failure in my life. My biggest failure in life. We can come back to that. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I have to ponder on that one. <laughs> that's okay. We can come back. Now, what are the most three inf- influential people in your life and how do they impact you? The most three influential people in my life. Okay, I can do that. My mother, my older sister, and my dad. Why? Um, one of them is a positive reason, and then the other two are negative. <laughs> um, they're they're because the impact can be positive or negative. It's just how you take that impact and go about it. And so I say my parents first and foremost because. Um, I am a product of them. I am their child. Um, I was raised in a, um, very, a very crazy childhood. Um, and so like just being a child raised in a world of insanity, I should say, um, it, it has really made me who I am today. It has made me, it has made me look at certain situations differently than I ever would have looked at them. It has made me, it has made me realize things, things that I would never want to do in a sense to my children or, or I should say how I would want to raise my children. It makes me uh, realize how I want to raise my children uh, later on in the future, things that I, I want to do and know that I shouldn't do. And then I can say my older sister is because she was my biggest role model, my best friend. Uh, well, she still is. And um, just seeing how much she prevailed through our life, going through everything that we were going through with our parents, it was just, it was inspiring to see her just stay strong, to just be my big sister and just be her. And and just know like she never gave up, like at all, out through all of it. Um, Granted, she didn't finish school, but that, like she said, she said to me, that was something that she never wanted to do, but still being who she is today um, and just being able to live, live in her freely, happily. I love that for her and it makes me happy. And yeah. I love that. I love how you took a negative experience in your childhood, not having the best childhood, and you make it into a positive. Thank you. What is the most important lesson you've learned? The most important lesson I learned, I like this question because I said it before when I was younger, um, and now it's more of reality. Um, Everybody around you isn't always for you, good for you, and is meant to be in your life. Most definitely. Yep, most definitely. And it doesn't matter who that person is. Not a mom, not a dad, not an uncle, not an auntie, not a brother, not a sister, not a cousin. Yep. Now, last question, and then we'll go back to the biggest failure question. What What's an insult you've received that you're proud of an insult that I received that I'm proud of I got two one I was a bigger kid I was told that I never was going to lose weight look at me now 
Um, the second thing is, was the most recent thing that someone said to me. Um, and it wasn't the first time someone has said it to me. They told me that the life I was living was a dream and I haven't started living my reality. Wow. And uh, that's after I told them what I want to do in my future career. Wow. And I looked them in the face and told them, just stay watch. Yeah. Next, we're juniors three, next five years. What? Attorney. Oh, so um, I want to do the, actually within the next 18 months, so when I graduate from a and I would like to, well, I am, I'm going to say, it, I'm speaking all of this into existence. I am going to Stanford um, for the JD and PhD program, graduate in the 18 months, uh, practice law for three to four years and run for presidency in 2028. I have an entire plan, goal, and mindset behind that. And uh, I'm sticking to it. Nobody's going to ever be able to change that. That's right. You have a goal. You have goals and that's your mindset. Complete them. Don't let anybody ever tell you like what you can, what you can't do at all, ever. God. You are your biggest advocate. No, I did not mean to. No, you are your biggest. Um, uh, how do you say it? When I you put your down. I'm but, a big critic. Yep. <laughs> you are your biggest critic. <laughs> My head. You're perfectly fine. Yeah, most definitely. Now, to end it off, the everything you've already said, your next steps are what happening and everything. What's one of your favorite quotes ever? Like you stand by this to this day and you will always remember it. Cry standing up. <laughs> Cry standing up. Cry standing up. I have it tatted on my left arm. I have cry standing up as one of my favorite quotes. I have that for the simple fact that whatever you do in life, wherever you go, whoever you may see, when somebody gets you to the point of no return or, or they belittle you to the point of you wanting to ball up your fists and let them have it, cry standing up. One day I was scrolling through social media and like, I'll, I'll let you in an insight because this is why this is my favorite quote. I was abused as a child. <laughs> I was abused as a child by my father, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, and he abused my mom as well. And so uh, just seeing how so strong- sorry. No, you're perfectly fine. It's seeing how strong my mom had to be. Um, and then like just knowing that, not knowing that my mom would leave the house to hide and like just certain stuff growing up, it, it would come back on us as children because my mom not being there, my dad started messing with us more and she didn't know. And so like, it, it was a whole bunch. It was like growing up, we got into a whole bunch of just stuff with that because it was a lot of not knowing and just a lot of hurt that was flowing through there. And I believe I was in a sixth or seventh, I was in seventh grade. I was in seventh grade and I seen a, um, a picture come across my phone screen telling me, uh, well, I was scrolling on my phone. I was on Facebook and I seen a post saying cry standing up. 
and the person's reasoning behind it, it was it was sentimental, but it's not what I what I interpreted as. I ended up interpreting as when things are wrong and when things are bad and when things aren't just the best and you're and you want to just let it all out, do it standing up. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you go through, you have to get back on your feet. You have to stay on your feet. You have to keep going. You you ha- you can't you can't just let something beat you down to the point where you feel helpless. But at the end of the day, when you are in that feeling, whatever you're going through, you have to just stand up, take it, keep going. Like it, it's just like blow after blow after blow. But when you know when you know what you're and if you don't know what your end goal is, when you know or don't know, it's just it's just having that feel to just that will to keep going. And like that's why I really got it tatted on me. And then after it comes to semicolon, because when you cry standing up, things will get better. And that's how I look at it. Because you didn't let something something break you down to the point where you were just um hysterical and so that's where i'm at with that all right just hearing your story and seeing some of the things that you've gone through the the things that you are doing in the community or going to do for the community and just seeing where you are again give yourself a pat on the back because you're amazing and like i said before you deserve praise and you got this thank you very much you got this don't stress don't let anybody ever tell you that you don't friends family no no one believe in yourself because you know you got this i should see a stanford acceptance in 18 months, right? Hopefully sooner than that. Sooner. So how does that work? Like you're getting, say what you're getting again at Stanford? JD PhD program. So okay. um, I say uh, the JD, uh, so Stanford gets uh, a, a bit of specialty in a sense because they are a prominent law school. And so right. when you find, when you, when you get accepted into these Ivy League schools like Harvard or Stanford, they have program implemented, uh, programs implemented for you to uh, actually advance your your knowledge in a sense of like, what is it? It's accelerated, and so it's it's accelerated PhD and JD program. So for the first twelve months of me being in school, I would do a JD, and then the la- the next twelve months is well up to twelve months, I would be uh, focusing on my doctorate. Wow, and the doctorate oh. would be in sociology. Why sociology? Um, sociology is a study of people, and uh, me as an attorney, an attorney is being pretty much the act of an attorney is you're an actor. You are trying to persuade an audience uh, why somebody is guilty or not guilty, or why a person should have lesser crime. And as an attorney, the study of people is very, um, very much of an asset to the mind because when you know how when you know how people think off of based off of customs, cultures, and the way that people, the way that groups, um, that groups of people occupy themselves, it'll be easier for you to incorporate, 
for you in court to persuade a specific audience a certain way or to to use what you which uh what you may know about people um against them and so like it can have its it has it has a lot of pros in the law field because it, it all ends up being a mind game and it all ends up being you knowing a group of people and how to persuade them i never thought about it like that I, I I never thought sociology is like, well, I I didn't know what sociology was, to be fair. So just what you're saying, what it is, and just applying it to being a lawyer is very smart. Thank you. And very wise, too. Thank you very much. Of course. Now, where can our listeners find you online? So you can find me on all platforms at Curtis Shannon Jr. And if you go to my Instagram first at Curtis Shannon Jr., I have my link tree there in my bio. I will be having my personal website coming up in the next four months. Um, I'll let you guys also hear first. I will be paying for my nonprofit organization um, for my foundation of myself this month. So um, stay tuned for that. That post is coming really soon as well okay that's here now last thing what is one thing that you want our viewers to know about you like that nobody else knows hmm. one thing that i want my um <laughs> nobody else knows this after my after I complete what I feel like I need to do for this nation, <laughs> I will be renovating houses. I will be selling houses. I will be in real estate and renovation and construction. Smart, smart to get the real estate license Indeed. and flip houses. It makes money, most definitely. Well, Curtis, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It has been a pleasure and an honor. And that's it for you guys. Thank you for listening to the Blueprint Movement Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to the Blueprint Movement Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. You can follow Greensboro Youth Community Leaders on Instagram at Greensboro YCL underscore LLC and Twitter at Greensboro YCL. Thank you for listening to the 12 Days of Podcasting. And thank you for my guests for allowing me to interview you. It has been an honor and a pleasure. The Blueprint Movement cannot wait for what our past and upcoming guests have in store. Thank you, and I can't wait to see you again.